Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. I want to first welcome to the podcast longtime college basketball coach and current head coach at Indiana State University, Coach Josh Schertz. Coach, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you guys having me. It's also great to have guest co-host Andrew Wingering back with me on the podcast. Coach Schertz is one of those guys who can provide a wealth of information on a number of things, but about 10 years ago, our Bob Jones team that Andrew and I were, were coaching actually played Coach's Lincoln Memorial team back when he was in Tennessee. And uh, some things that that he did against us and some things that stuck out uh, as Andrew and I was talking, we kind of settled on maybe talking a little bit more offense today. Coach, let me just start out with this. You guys there at, at Indiana State, you're 9-2 and two this year so far, and uh, I look through the advanced stats on Synergy, and I, I see a lot of areas that are excellent ratings. And I know what the stats say, but I'm always interested to hear what do you as a coach feel like you all are doing and how well you are doing what you want to be doing to this point in the year. Yeah, I think um, it's it's early, right? I mean, you're about right now for us a third of the way uh, through the regular season. So we have, you know, 11 games uh, played and uh, doing <clears throat> doing some good stuff um, for sure. I think, um, you know, you always look at things and you're looking at, uh, things you're doing well and how you build on them and areas of, of, of growth and areas you can get better. And I think there's, there's a lot of areas we can, uh, we can shore up. There's a lot of things we can, um, we can improve upon. And then there's some things that we're doing at a pretty high level that we want to, you know, continue to maintain and, uh, and, and do those things. So I think, you know, we, we, if, you know, we're trying to play fast. I think, I think, um, you know, our offensive possessions, you know, pace wise are top 10 in the country, which is good. Um, you know, we're, we're a high assist team. Uh, our two point field goal percentage is, is pretty high. I think one of the best in the country. So, um, we haven't shot the three as well as I think we're, we're capable of, but we've scored, I think we're averaging about 84 points a game or something like that. And, and, uh, you know, I think, I think we're capable of shooting the ball better from the perimeter, but our, our two point field goal percentage, uh, has kind of bailed us out here, uh, early on the nights where we haven't shot it well. So, um, you know, we're coming off a, a tough loss. We've, you know, the two games we've lost, we lost a, a two pointer that was, you know, down the wire and lost one here in overtime. So we've had chances certainly to, 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 you know, be in every game and win every game. And certainly we've had a couple that we've won that have been close as well. So, um, but it's about continuing to grow. Um, the way we play is, is probably a little bit different uh, because we uh, don't, don't run as many plays as probably most people do. I think we, we play with more uh, free flowing and, and, and more kind of, we would call it organized randomness opposed to patterns. So it's a constant evolution of guys understanding how to read the game, read each other, how they're being played, how their teammates are being played. And uh, that process, hopefully if it works, we're a lot better offensively uh, as the year goes on. Tony just talked about those statistics on synergy. And, and one thing that stands out to me as I'm watching some film of you guys is when you guys come out of timeouts, it seems like you're always getting a good shot. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what goes into those timeouts, what you guys talk about? 
you know, you're trying to save some stuff, um, you know, those ATO situations. And we have, you know, play calls we go to. I think when you're looking at it as a coach, I mean, you kind of divide offense up. And like I said, a lot of times we're playing in, you know, what I would say is is we call quick strike and our flow. Um, and our quick strike is our transition. And we got some simple actions there. Then we got our flow, which is kind of our motion. There's some different triggers in there. And again, that's kind of the organized randomness and those things uh, based on some different factors. But when you get to, your ATOs, I think you're going into every game and, and um, you know, I think you're always starting with, uh, you know, how are people guarding you? You know, what are their what are their coverages? What do you think your advantages are? Um, and then how can you exploit it? So usually for me, um, I'll spend, uh, you know, the, the day before the game kind of going through and creating our, our ATO package for that game. And we'll have, you know, 10 to 15 things that we think we can run that would, you know, be effective against those coverages. Some of it's stuff we've run before, some of it's stuff that we haven't, um, you know, run as an ATO. And, and we try to then go to those things. Um, and and you're just looking at really, again, you know, how are they guarding ball screens or how are there, is there a mismatch we can get? Are they switching on the ball or off the ball? Um, what are some things you think you can exploit? You're trying to steal points in, in those scenarios. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's something that uh, I, for me, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I think, like a lot of coaches, you know, everything you get, you steal. And so, uh, you know, I, I tend to watch a, a ton of basketball, whether it's uh, EuroLeague, NBA, uh, I have coaches that are, you know, I'm good friends with that are at, that are at the NBA level and that will exchange ideas. You see this ATO and, uh, you know, and so we're, I'm constantly looking at teams that have. Uh, I think run good stuff out of those situations. Like I said, oh, you know, whether that's, you know, you know, to a Tenerife or FC Barcelona or, you know, whatever, you know, and, 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 you know, in the NBA as well. And so you're constantly studying those teams uh, and trying to figure out, you know, you know, Hey, does this work for us? Or can we tweak this, make this work for us? And so all that stuff that, that we do is, is stolen and, and sometimes modified. Sometimes I just take it as it is and, uh, and run with it. One of the questions that I get, for a team that plays the style that you all do is how do I teach my players to take great shots? Is there something that you give them that they can remember or something that you use to remind them or do you categorize things, but how do you teach them great shot selection? I think a great shot is, you know, individual more than it is like a, you know, cookie cutter, right? Like what's a great shot for one player? What's a great shot for Steph Curry? Uh, might not be a great shot for Draymond Green. Right. I mean, they're not the same player. So while Steph may be able to take a 27 foot pull up three off the dribble and, and that be a shot he makes at a high level. Um, to me, a great shot is we always talk about getting shots in our wheelhouse and our wheelhouse being collective. And then it's really on me to define what I think that person's wheelhouse is. And those are some, you know, sometimes difficult conversations. Right. Because every player thinks that they should have the, the same freedom that every other player has. And. It's getting guys a, a big part of playing this way um, where you're not controlling as much. You're giving up control as a coach to your players and allowing your players uh, for the most part to kind of, you know, dictate where the shots are coming from and what they're going to use off the menu and how they're going to get there is, you know, having guys understand what their strengths are and then trying to do what they do best as, as all the time. And, you know, what are your strengths? What do you do best? And let's get to that as often as possible inside of this offense. And, um, you know, every team has a, a best player or two. Um, if you're lucky, you got hopefully two. Um, and then everybody else around them is how they complement, you know, those best player or two, right? I mean, you know, you, you're not going to have five best players on offense. 
And so it's, it's figuring out how to impact winning. Uh, and again, that's a huge part of player development is, is what do you do best? All right, let's, let's play within that and let's do that as often as possible. Stay away from things you don't do well and try to play to your strengths. And that's going to make you a better player. It's going to allow you a chance to, uh, you know, to, to add value to winning. And ultimately, you know, as a coach, you're playing the guys who had the most value to winning. So if guys want to play, uh, they're going to play within, you know, what we feel like they do best. And you got to create that team concept. And again, there's some difficult conversations because as you know, players, you know, all think they can do everything. And, and uh, so to have those, those conversations with them, let them know, this is how we see you. This is what we see you doing. You know, that I think, again, ultimately is, is responsibility falls to me to make sure I define that for them. But we're always telling them uh, we want to get we want to take the first great shot that we get. We don't want to hold the ball and, and try to generate three or four great shots of possession. We want to take the first great shot uh, in a possession. Now it's I define what a great shot is. So as a coach. So I think that's that's the caveat to that is is uh, me defining it. But when you play fast like we do i think that's the key is under everybody understanding you know what their strengths are what considered a good shot if guys aren't playing within that then they know ultimately you're going to sit because um you know one of our you know absolutes uh is is hunt great and uh offensively you know really the two things that make a good offense no matter what you run or you know you got to take care of the ball and you got to take great shots right i mean you know that's what you know constitutes a good matter if you run princeton flex dribble drive motion whatever you're doing doesn't doesn't it's not really relevant but you have to take care of the ball and you got to you got to work collectively to generate great shots and and that's the backbone of any any good offense i love that term hunt great i think it's a, a sticky term that you can give to your players you know coaches listening if, if you're struggling with shot selection that term hunt great is something uh, to talk about but coach you also um i know in the past have have charted like screen assists and, and the plays happening within the play, things that are going on off the ball. And I think sometimes as coaches and obviously players, we, we see the shot going in, the guy who shoots it and who's taking the shot, but we don't always see or pay attention to what's happening off the ball. Can you just talk a little bit about that concept that you guys chart, maybe how you chart it and how you teach that within your offense? Yeah, we try to, we try to chart things that, that uh, we talk all the time. And there's a lot of things that go into winning. And we, we the thing you're always trying to get your team to do is make as many winning plays as possible. And the winning plays are generally things that are not validated in a box score. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into winning that are not glamorous. And I think people um, tend to tend to overlook them or they're, they're not given as much uh, uh, credence as as, you know, well, he scored this many points or he got this many assists. So we try to chart and emphasize and really. Um, encourage things that that are winning plays so like you mentioned screen assist um you know you set a great a great pin down the guy comes off a down screen wide open he gets a you know gets a wide open shot with well, a guy who's screened there's no box score validation right i mean um what about you know hockey assist you know you drive it touch paint you know draw help kick it to the corner to make the one more up you know the guy who got the pass made the one more he gets an assist guy who makes a three gets a three the guy who created the play gets nothing so, you know, you got hockey assist, you got free throw assist, you drive it, draw two and dish it off. Guy gets hammered. <clears throat> you get two free throws. Again, box score, there's no validation for those things, but for us. And so there's a lot of metrics, you know, um, you know, for us, we, we try to chart things, box out percentages, loose balls, you know, uh, shot contest percentages, things that we think go into winning that maybe don't get uh, valued. Um, 
in a box score scenario because a lot of those things that go into winning <clears throat> when you're looking at, you know, it's not uh, sexy to sprint back and transition defense and get below the ball and load to it. It's not sexy to, you know, blow up a ball screen and get a rear view contest on a guy coming off. It's not sexy to, you know, a guy comes in and he's going to rebound and, and you check him and hit him and, 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 and do a great job of, of keeping him off the glass. Not sexy to set a great screen and get your teammate open or, you know, or, or touch pain and, and make the right play and, and, you know, drive and kick and those things. So the more we can celebrate those things, the more we can encourage those things. We talk all the time to our guys about um, the guys who play for us are going to be the guys who bring the most value to winning. And people think that all great players are, are great winners. You're, that's synonymous. And I think that's, that's not, there are great players who are not great winners. And there are great winners who are not great players, right? And, you know, on the really good teams, you have, you know, the best players are both. They're great players who are great winners. Um, but in your locker room, if you can have a bunch of guys who are great players and great winners, maybe you got some guys who aren't great players, but they're great winners, that's the pathway to, to having success. That's the blueprint because you got guys that are invested in doing all those things that, that don't show up on the stat sheet that because – they really care about winning over everything else. And, and uh, you know, so that's something where we're just trying to give that validation to those guys. We chart that stuff every game and we talk about it. And you can see in games, you know, um, and, and, and again, want, want our guys to feel like uh, those things are recognized, uh, what they're doing. Is there any kind of goal that you put with, with those or is it just something that um, you talk about with them after the game's over? Usually just talk about, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not big on, you know, like setting, you know, I know guys going to want to keep this, you know, show them this percentage or that percentage or, you know, or do this this many times. I think, I think each game presents different challenges. Right. And, and so like, you know, if we have this goal, but you know, you're playing a team that plays zone, you know, it's different. Right. I mean, you wouldn't have the same, you know, uh, access to, to, you know, you're attacking things differently. So, it's more of inside the game, you know, uh, there's certain things, obviously our activity level defensively, our ability to get deflections, our, our ability to, to get loose balls, our contest percentages. Those are things we want to be, you know, box out percentages at a really high level at. Um, and that should be game in, game out. But offensively, you know, it really depends on, on how we're being played and what the defense is doing. And just like, um, you know, there's games this year where we've shot, you know, um, you know, close to 43s and you know we played southern illinois the other night and the way they played us we shot 18 threes um because they really pressured us took us up the three-point line now we were able to get downhill and get and take twos but you know it wasn't a game where, where we went in and said well we gotta you know people always like well i mean three you know you gotta shoot as many threes and honestly you know every it, take with it take what the game gives you right so some games you know uh it's the rim some games is threes but you got to figure out and so no i don't have a metric where it's a you know, a hard and fast each game. We set these goals. It's more of, you know, let's let's play inside the game and see what the game gives you. There's certain categories that no matter who you're playing and whatever the circumstances, uh, you know, numbers should be should be good. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. 
Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Coach, I know um, obviously in the game today, switching defenses are a, a really common thing, and it's almost you go into a game and you just assume that everyone's going to switch um, on ball screens in those situations anytime that they can. And I know uh, when I was at Bob Jones our first year, one of the things that you taught me, um, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a kid named Larry Taylor, and we just ran him off ball screens. It was kind of the only way we could score. Mm-hmm. And you just you just cross-matched that and switched him every time. And, and you know, as a 22-year-old or whatever, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But um, I know, you know, with that going on so much in today's game, are there other things that you do within your flow? You know, do you just stay away from the ball screens when switches are happening? Is there something you do with matchups and and having different guys screen? in the ball screen or kind of talk through how you handle pick and roll situations against switching defenses. In our flow, um, you know, we have different triggers, right? And so a trigger for us is, you know, what we would, you know, creating action of some sort. So, you know, a ball screen is a trigger. So it's a a get where we throw it to, you know, a big or a hybrid and get to our split games or, you know, dribble, dribble pitches or a, a trigger, right? I mean, they just have different, different triggers that we utilize. I think there's, you know, seven of them that we, we talk about and try to get our guys to. So you're right. A lot of people, a lot of people do switch and they switch some, some one through five. We saw that, um, you know, with, with Drake in Southern Illinois, some people switch one through four and then play, you know, whatever coverage they play with their five. Um, I think, no, you know, not, not staying away from it. I think you're trying to, teach guys how to conceptually attack it. Right. I think, you know, if they're switching, um, the reads are different than if they're playing, you know, ice coverage or drop coverage, or they're playing lateral coverage, um, you know, or they're going under or they're hard showing or blitzing. Right. There's only really, you know, six or seven ball screen coverages that are, you know, that are, you can use or at least that I've seen. And, some you don't see a lot in college, you know, but you probably see four or five. And switching is obviously a very common one. So we really talk our guys through. I, I think you have some plays you can run and some things you can do to take advantage. But we really try to utilize uh, all of our guys in those scenarios. So, you know, how do you want to attack switching? Um, you know, is there a, a guy you feel like is is uh, slower? Um, can you get him in, in space and attack that switch? Can you... Uh, if they're switching, can you, can you post it, right? Can you roll your, your big down and get the small, you know, get the small switched on the screen and try to get your big at the front of the rim and create that advantage where, uh, you know, he's, he's posting and now they got to help. And now maybe it's not the big, but maybe you're playing off the closeout advantage. Right. I mean, I think the biggest thing, you know, again, switching is, is understanding the screening angles are different. The reads are different. Um, you know, what you're looking for is different. And then utilizing your guards as well. We have some bigger guards. So the opportunity to ball screen or, or play dribble pitch and, and get them into the seams against those defenses, you know, screening below, staying below, trying to keep that wedged up, um, understanding it's a five-man game and, and not just playing, you know, the mismatch, the, the two guys who switched. <clears throat> we see it a ton. So it's something that we, you know, starting in June, uh, when, when our guys come to summer school, you know, we drill – uh, those reads because ultimately um, you know offensively for us <clears throat> I don't think you beat switching with a 
you know, running 50 plays against switching. You know, I don't think you had to come out and run 50 plays to attack switching. You beat switching by understanding, you know, what works against switching. So what are the screening angles when teams switch? What are the reads for the handler coming off? What are the reads when you, you know, if you don't have it and you throw the advance pass, you know, are you going to, you know, are, are you going to look at the roll? Are you going to look at the skip? Are you going to look at the kick? And then, you know, spray it out and, and play behind that. And again, take it as a five-man game, play it to an advantage and, and play advantage basketball behind it. So, you know, we drill those reads in June all the way through. I think we don't try to stay away from it, actually. Like I said, I think in a lot of ways we try to encourage it, but not just with our bigs, but also our guards. We have some bigger guards. If you can get a, you know, big guard, you know, with a little guard switched on to him, hitting him in the seam right there, that's, you know, that to us. Now you're creating an overreaction to defense and, They've got to help, and now you're again, you know, generating those rim shots or generating those spot threes that, you know, we want to offensively. We're looking, we're hunting those. One of the other concepts that you use with those big guards is posting those guards. Mm -hmm. And aside from just trying to exploit a mismatch, what does that allow you to do with the offense once you invert the floor? Yeah, I think, you know, it, that's another trigger, right, you know, is the ability to utilize our, our big guards and, and throw the ball down there and facilitate them as post players. And uh, we got some guards that are really good at it. It's something, you know, we recruit to. Um, and, and when you get a guard in the post, it's just like getting that guard in the seam, right? You know, if you can get a big guard and get him in the seam against switching, he's able to screen below, stay below, and you can throw it over the top, and now he's in the middle of the lane creating that reaction. You got a great playmaker in there making those plays. I mean, think Draymond Green, right? You know, and so um, it's the same thing. You know, we try to we try to post those guards and, and the, you know, you know, our rule is, you know, if, if, if you can't score it 75% of the time in those, you know, scenarios, we're probably not going to post you, but we got a couple of guys that do that. Um, you know, if you play it one-on-one, we hope we have guys down there that can score it. If not, um, you're trying to create that that same reaction, right? Put two to the ball. Um, you know, and then you have your, your, we have, you know, post movement on that backside, we got fives that can shoot it, you know? Um, and so the ability to stretch the floor there. And again, if, if, if they play a one-on-one, you hope you have guys down there and you better be throwing it to guys down there that can score the majority of the time. You know, everybody says, well, the post ups up, you know, it's a analytically unsound play. And it is, if, if you can only score, you know, 50% of the time down there, but if you can, you can ramp that up a little bit and you get guys that can, that, that are really good down there. It's really actually a terrific uh, way to facilitate offense. And we like to initiate with those big guards down there. And then, you know, if you draw two to the ball, then it's the same concept. You know, you're playing advantage basketball now, and now it's making the right reads and you're generating again, those hopefully, you know, defense is scrambling and you're getting those rim attacks uh, and you're getting those feet set spot threes from good shooters. And it's another way for us to, you know, everything, offensively good offense we talked about taking care of the ball and hunting great right being you know two absolutes of good offense i'd say all that you know hunting great stems from being able to put pressure on the rim and figuring out ways to put pressure on the rim and so whether that's you know by the dribble if that's you know in the seams with your rolls if that's posting up if that's through cutting um there's a variety of ways to put pressure on the rim but but generally Everything stems from causing a reaction, an overreaction from the defense, and then teaching them once they have the advantage, how to make the advantage, what the right reads are. And so when we boil our offense down, that ability to post those guards, you know, if it's one-on-one, score it. If we create the overreaction, then let's play advantage basketball behind it. It's another way for us to put pressure on the rim and create advantages.
you're obviously in control of your offense, but at the same time, you give so much uh, decision-making and control to your players on the floor. And I think you you talk about teaching them since June and obviously year after year, um, they're learning these reads and these concepts. And it's really cool just to see uh, how you give them that freedom to make those reads. And I know you did that at LMU, obviously, when you were there too, but have you found that the transition from coaching Division Two, which although you were at a very high level in Division Two, has it been a different transition going to D1 than you thought it would be? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the transition was probably just different in the sense of, you know, we, we taught a lot of, a big part of our, our, our success at LMU, I thought was, we always refer to it as a corporate knowledge, right? Like guys understanding what we're doing, you know, how we're doing it. We were really fortunate that pretty much everybody at LMU, uh, we took, you know, probably 95, maybe more percent high school kids and they stayed for five years. We redshirted everybody. So we had guys there for five years that, you know, from how we do player development to our drills to, you know, the reads inside the offense, these guys got so many repetitions that, that just got better and better. And I think that's an underrated, you know, uh, aspect of playing this way is everybody fixates on, you know, getting guys stronger, um, which is really important. Skill acquisition, which is really important. Um, you know, your ball handling, your footwork, your finishing, your shooting, different actions. I mean, but I think the, the biggest growth for our guys has always been in their IQ and their ability to read the game. You know, basketball is a game of a, a million decisions. And so, you know, how do you get better at making decisions? Will you make decisions, right? I mean, that's, you know, just like you become a better shooter by getting up and getting in the gym and getting hundreds of shots a day. You become a better decision maker by, you know, making decisions and making decisions every day. And so for us, our player development program, the way we do that is probably a little bit unique. So it, it helps those guys develop you know, decision making skills. And then obviously we play a ton in practice. We, we play a bunch um, and a lot of five on five because we're trying to get our guys to make those decisions in real time. And uh, so all that being said, coming here was unique because. Um, we started from scratch uh, with that process. You know, I had 13 years at LMU where we built up a lot of equity. We had a lot of guys, like I said, been in the program for a long time. There was a, a culture established and we understood how to play last year coming in when you, you kind of take over a new program and you're trying to build those things. Uh, everything starts from ground zero. So a lot of things you took for granted at LMU or things that were understood uh, here weren't. And um you know, and there's no right or wrong way to play. You just got to play the way that's that's comfortable for you as a coach and a way you believe in as a coach. And, um, you know, I really believe in this way. I think it's uh, um, I think our players, the players I've had enjoy it uh, because you are turning it over a lot to them. And some coaches don't want to do that. And I, I get that, too, uh, where you feel like, you know, you want to have more control over who's shooting or what they're running or those things. And, you know, there's no right or wrong way. But, um, you know, the, the, the transition hasn't been different in that regard I think um, you know I, I think even last year um, while we tried to kind of get off the ground you know we had a rough year transition year lost our best player a week before the season to a season-ending injury and kind of we're, we're beat up most of the year but when you when you have a, a down year like we did and we had our top three scorers all graduate um, and then they all decide to come back and utilize their their COVID year uh, at Indiana State, they didn't transfer up. I mean, they were all three guys, average double digits, and could have certainly went, you know, uh, and, and gone higher had they wanted to. Um, I think that was a good indicator that, you know, we were establishing something here, and they enjoyed the way we were playing. And um, and so a big part of you know, the early season success has been the, you know, six of our top seven scorers were back from last year. And that's rare in college basketball. They particularly have a bad year. 
uh, where everybody says, all right, let's, let's abandon ship and start over. Our, our biggest success, we obviously added some good pieces, but the foundational core of it was those guys back. And so I haven't found that it's been different. I think, um, you know, uh, Matthew Graves, who's our associate coach here, asked me, he's asked me, you know, like, do you think that, you know, at, maybe at the high major level would guys want to play like this? But I think, you know, because you're playing in a way where you're, um, nobody's ball dominant, you know, it's an egalitarian way to play. You're sharing the ball, you're playing in a rhythm, you're not playing, you know, one guy kind of ISOing and, and there's not a lot of over dribbling and those things. And I, I think they would because that's the way the program is trending, right? I mean, the program, EuroLeague and all that stuff is trending more towards concepts and, and that organized randomness as opposed to playing in patterns. Because when you play really good teams, uh, and, and, and there's a lot of really good teams in Missouri Valley, there's a lot of great coaches, um, you're going to run your pattern. They're not going to beat people running a play. It's going to be what you do after the play. So my whole philosophy has been if that's what's going to separate teams, what you do after your play is over, why not get as good as you can at that aspect of offense and just bypass the initial part, the uh, let's come down and run, you know, cross screen, down screen, or let's go run, you know, slice, stagger, stagger, and then, okay, now it's over. Now we got 12 on the clock or 14 o'clock. Now we're going to get to our flow. Let's just get to our flow immediately, get as good as we can in that and, and play inside of it. And guys have conceptually bought in, but the, the blueprint's the same here as it was there in terms of how we're going to recruit and then, of course, you know how we want to play. That's Coach Josh Schertz, head coach for the Indiana State Sycamores. A lot of great stuff on conceptual offense. Coach, thanks for working with us to make this happen. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Really do. Thanks so much.